Our fight to eradicate corruption, maladministration, unethical leaders, and the abuse of taxpayers' money by those in power continues. It's fresh, it's fearless, and focused. The Outer Hour, where your voice matters. Good evening and welcome to another Outer Hour. 7 p.m. on Wednesday nights is when you can catch the show live. Thank you for joining us. If you're joining us live, if you're joining us post-live, thanks for pressing the play button. And I hope you enjoy the hour. It's an important hour tonight because we will be taking a look at the budget speech presented by the Minister of Finance in Parliament today. What a difficult job the man must have. We're in a situation that is clear to everyone in South Africa. Not enough money coming in, a lot of money going out, and the pressure is mounting. Tonight, we will get Outer's position on the budget speech. We will also, and um, we plan to have Dr. Azar Jamin uh, on the line and with us in just a few minutes' time, the Director and Chief Economist at Econometrics, to give us his view on the budget speech and the state of the South African economy. And also tonight, Brendan Slade will join us from Team Outer to talk about concessionaires. There was some vague reference to uh, tolls in uh, uh, toll roads or user pay principle. I suppose that should be the, the correct terminology when it comes to funding our road infrastructure in South Africa. And I suppose that talks to the core of what Alta does and the supporters who support Alta. Now, in the comment section tonight, man in the comment section is head of communications and marketing, the one and only Samantha van Nispen. When you see Outer responding in the comment section, know that that's Sam. She's been assisted by Ivor Cleary. And the producer of the show is Banele Sanatla. I'll get to your comments in just a moment, but uh, a quick just a quick reminder that this show is built around your questions and your comments and specifically questions. So if you have any questions that you'd like to put to Wayne Duvenage, the CEO of Outer, or Dr. Azar Jamin when he comes online, please feel free to pop them in the comment section down below. We do try to get uh, as many comments and questions as possible on the airwaves. So put yours in now. I hope you've had a good week. Let's say hello to the CEO of Outer now. Wayne Duvenage joins us on the Zoom link. Hello, Wayne. How's it going? Tom, it's going well. I'm, I'm well. The organization is well. We're extremely busy. Uh, not as busy as Tito Mbaweni uh, and his team, I can imagine, uh, under a lot of pressure and, and so many of us in this country as we do what we have to do to, to fix this country, to, to get us out of the hole. It just seems to get deeper all the time. It's quite interesting, but we'll reflect on some of those uh, elements in his speech today. Looks like the country's in the same position as many households in this country. Not enough coming in, too much going out, and the debt levels are rising. A rather simplistic look at uh, the South African economy and our situation. We'll dig deeper as we move through the show. Let's say hello to Brendan Slade, who will be joining us uh, uh, towards the end of the show to talk about concessionaires. This is something that Alta is keeping its eye on. Hello, Brendan. How are you? Hi, Tom, and evening all the listeners out there. Uh, thanks for the great support we received. Um, we've noted throughout a lot of media reports the pendulum of accountability is at last swinging in the right direction. And uh, we are being very optimistic and the hope is still there. We love you to say hello to us on the show. Find out where you're from and how you're doing. And if it's your first time, pop first time in the comment section so that we know you're joining us and we can give you a good old-fashioned South African. Dumelang, Sunny Good evening. Bom dia. Bonjour. Molweni. 
Assalamu alaikum, shalom, and how's it? That's about as much as I can remember tonight. I hope I've covered all the bases. It's good to have you with us. Okay, let's see who's on board and get to the comments section now. We say hello to uh, PE. Uh, Michael John Billsbury says, good evening. Hello, Michael. The name change is taking place. We're all going to have to practice saying the new name for Port Elizabeth. Nevertheless, the Windy City stays windy and the people stay friendly. It's nice to have you with us. Rudy Heineker. The man with his eye on state capture on behalf of Alta joins us. You're welcome to engage with Rudy in the comment section this evening. Hello, Rudy. And there we go. There's uh, Alta on board. There's Sam and Ivor saying good evening, Michael John Billsbury. And using the correct name this evening, nice to see. Rueda Sony says, good evening from Rueda and Ambassador Sony from Cape Town. Does our government think the money grows on trees? Uh, interesting question. Okay, Brendan Slade, who's both on your screen and in the comments section, says, Evening all. Jonathan Murphy says, Hello, Outer Team and Tom, support from the US of A. I hope you're not in one of the colder parts of the United States. I've seen some pictures out of America and videos that make me feel very happy to be in South Africa, the economy notwithstanding. Gail Faree says, Good evening, Outer Team and supporters. Ian Paulson says, Hi from Zastron. Many years ago, we were going on holiday as a family and the fan belt snapped on the ranch and we spent a night in Zastron. Nice to see Zastron appear on the screen. John Oscar says, good evening all. Be safe. Jeff P. Scott says, good evening team. Uh, there's Jeff. Nice to have you on board. Yuri Fix says, good evening from Cape Town. The mother city is represented this evening. Nice to have you on board. Marina Mulberg-Smith says, evening outer. Dennis Cooper says, hi team from Russia. And I do believe this is the first person who's ever joined us from Russia. So good to have, uh, have you with us, uh, Dennis. Uh, I, I assume it's Dennis. Uh, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, let me know. And I hope that uh, you've had your, your vodka today. Nicola Jane Good well, says, hi, Tom and the outer team. Uh, Peter Ngobeni says, Avikani. Hello, Peter. Nice to have you on board. Thank you for joining us. Peter, another Peter. Peter Rosema says, hi, folks. And Ben Charles Fraser represents my part of the world where I grew up, the East Rand. Hello from the East Rand, says Ben. Tel Aviv is on board. Israel has joined us via Alan Wallman. Hello, Alan. Nice to have you with us tonight. And Dennis says the USA is getting warmer. That's good news. Terry Lee Hoa says good evening, Outer. Uh, Jonathan Murphy is representing Buffalo, New York. Laugh out loud, but it's warm today. Eight degrees C here. Brrr. And Donnie Duval says salam alaikum from Riyadh. Hello, Donnie. Nice to have you joining us out of the Middle East or the uh, United Arab Emirates. Eh? And Johan Willemse says hello, Outer. Hi, Outer from Pal. Or is it the Pal? Good to have you with us. More will join us and say hello and interact with each other feel free to ask the outer team questions in the comment section down below and pose your comments and questions on today's budget speech in the comments section below the video we will try and get to as many questions and comments as we can throughout the show it has been an interesting day hasn't it i don't know if uh, like me you were glued to the television screens today where we were presented with the finance minister tito Mboweni's budget speech um, he was, I'm just running through some of the snapshots, more than 10 billion for the purchase and delivery of vaccines over the next two years, an increase of the contingency reserve from 5 billion to 12 billion to make provision for further purchases of vaccines and to cater for other emergencies. Our total consolidated spending amounts to 2 trillion each year over the medium term, the majority of which will go towards social services. Government debt is sitting at 88.9% of the GDP in 25 to 26. That's the target and the ratio will decline thereafter. 
This is what the finance minister has been saying to us. This is a significant improvement to the framework that was presented in October last year. Creates a sound platform for sustainable growth, said the minister. Now, the main budget revenue is projected to be $1.35 trillion over the next year. Uh, gross loan debt will increase from 3 $1.95 trillion in the current fiscal year to $5.2 trillion in the 2024 budget, so there's an increase in debt, and government expects to collect $1.21 trillion in taxes during the next financial year, which is about 213 billion rand less than the 2020 budget expectations. This is the largest tax shortfall on record. Now, corporate tax will be lowered to 27% for companies with years of assessment, and personal income tax brackets will be increased by 5%. So the brackets will shift 5%. That means that if you earn less than 87,300 Rand, you will have an extra 756 Rand in your pocket after March 1st, 2021. Tito Mboweni, our minister, said that we owe a lot of people a lot of money. These include foreign investors, pension funds, local and foreign banks, unit trusts, financial corporations, insurance companies, the public investment corporation, and the ordinary South African bondholder. Down to the nitty-gritty, fuel levies will increase by 27 cents per litre, comprising 15 cents per litre for the general fuel levy, 11 cents per litre for the road accident fund levy, and 1 cent per litre for the carbon fuel levy. If you smoke cigarettes, a pack of 20 cigarettes will be an extra 1 rand 39. 25 grams of pipe tobacco will cost an extra 45 cents, and a 23-gram cigar for the cigar smokers out there will be 7 rand 71 more expensive. And then, uh, where's the, the drink? The, the, the drinkers. 30 rand increase. Uh, oh, no, that's the social grant that I'm reading. There we go. 340 ml can of beer or cider will cost an extra 14 cents. Bottle of wine will cost an extra 26 cents. A uh, bottle of sparkling wine, an extra 86 cents. A bottle of spirits, including whiskey, gin, or vodka, will <coughs> increase by 5 rand 50. So we've seen the sin taxes increase. That's uh, normal. Uh, we've got used to that in the budget. And uh, when it comes to social services, we are seeing uh, marginal increases there. Okay, so there's some of the details for you, uh, just a high-level look at what's happening as far as the budget is concerned. But let's ask Wayne Divinage, the CEO of Outer, to give us his assessment and Outer's take on our latest budget. Wayne, your thoughts. Well, um, Tom, and I, I see Azaz joined us, and, and he's always cut for time so pressed for time how are you as well nice to have you on board to this evening i'm um, well thank you thank you Wade. lovely man I'd, I'd rather deflect that and ref and get azar to to reflect with us his views um and azar has been uh, uh, a, 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 a advisor to, to out of a number of years um understands the uh the economy uh better than most uh if not probably one of the leading economists uh, in the country and, and um, yeah, I think this is an interesting time. So you're very busy as well. I'd like to pose that question to you. We've got some views. I mean, I really was surprised that, that he didn't uh, tax, uh, push tax rates up. Uh, you know, where is he going to get this money from? Uh, I know there wasn't any talk of that. I think if it wasn't an election year, <laughs> they would be pressed not to put that up. So watch this space next year. Um, and, 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 yeah, the hole has got deeper. And for me, as well, I'm intrigued as to, uh, I mean, we're just going to have to go into more debt to cover this two, two, uh, 213 billion rand shortfall. Uh, that's the worry for me. But how did you see uh, Tito's performance today? 
Well, uh, Tito's performance, I thought, was outstanding. I thought he really went out of his way to commit himself to uh, fiscal consolidation. And I thought he was about to announce that ETOLs had been approved, finally approved when he started seeing the use of pay principle. (laughs) But uh, no, the, the thing is that going into this budget, what we've suddenly seen is that in the last few months, tax revenues have come in a lot stronger than the government had feared they would. Uh, and he mentioned that the shortfall was $213 billion compared with what was budgeted for in February, whereas in uh, uh, October's medium-term budget policy statement, he thought taxes would fall $313 billion short of uh, what was budgeted for. And you might find that quite strange. Well, what's happened? What has changed? First thing that I'm worrying about is whether the National Treasury's uh, capacity to do research is uh, quite as good as it used to be. Uh, Secondly, the fact is that uh, the prices of many of our minerals have rocketed in the last few months, especially your platinum group metals. Uh, The price of rhodium has gone up from uh, $1,500 to $30,000 an ounce, you know, and I know we only produce 420,000 ounces, but you translate that into dollars, additional revenue. And these mining companies are raking it in and obviously paying more tax. Uh, and not only company tax, but I would imagine now that they've got more cash, they're spending more on, uh, 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 you know, fi- fixing up their mines and maintenance and even investment. And so VAT has exceeded expectations. Then the Second one, and it's an issue that very few people have, well, I haven't seen anyone actually concentrate on it. If you looked at yesterday's employment figures that were released, the classic example, the growth in uh, formal sector employment last year was minus 7%. The growth in informal employment was minus 13.5%. So in other words, the COVID-19 crisis has hit poorer people far, far more heavily than wealthier or higher income, middle income people. Most of us who are, you know, on this call are still in our jobs. We're still earning and paying tax on it. And so what's happened is even though a hell of a lot of people have lost their jobs or have received pay cuts, they're not the ones who are paying the tax. And so the shortfall in tax has turned out to be not as bad as we anticipate. Now, the big question was to, to ask is, uh, now that the government would need to borrow uh, only $670 billion instead of $770 billion this year, uh, how would they treat that $100 billion? It's hardly a windfall, but it's, it's certainly just a reduction in how bad the situation looked four months ago. And the fear was, how were they going to handle that? The first thing, we knew they were going to have to pay more for vaccines and uh, uh, vaccinations, and that came through in a variety of forms. It's $10 billion for the vaccines, $7 billion contingency for the cost of vaccinations, etc. We also knew that uh, Ramaphosa had extended the time period over which social, uh, that special social grant would last another three months. That's another $6.5 billion rand. Uh, and everyone's forgiving, yeah, no, that's money. It's worth borrowing money to fund both the vaccines and the 
relief for these very poor people. Uh, what people were not sure of, though, is would he, given that he's borrowing so much, would he actually raise taxes on individuals and especially on wealthier individuals, in particular wealth taxes? Uh, and he didn't do so. And that's, again, very well received, I think, because that would have been counterproductive. The elephant in the room was, would he use the extra uh, capacity, if you want to call it that way, to increase public sector remuneration uh, to try and buy off the unions, contrary to what he had said in October, which was just hard, no a virtual wage freeze. The reality is he stuck to his guns and he hasn't mm. actually increased public sector remuneration, budgeted public sector remuneration. So to put it in a nutshell, the real elephant in the room is, and the, is that he's now got a bit of a credibility problem. Will the government be able to get away with increasing public sector remuneration by 1.16% per annum on average over the next three years in the face of inflation of over 4% per annum, which implies a reduction in the real remuneration of public servants of 10%, whether by uh, firing some of them, retrenching them, or by just not giving them pay increases. And that's the big question. He, yeah. When he has said, this is his budget, it's now up to the government to decide what to do with the rest. As for the so rest, drawn a line in the sand on, on on the labour, and that's that's an important yeah. one because we've got to do something about this public sector wage bill, which has been increasing well above inflation over the last uh, 10, 12 years, um, and the burgeoning headcounts and so forth. And I like the fact that he's saying you have to tackle this. We are going to stick in the, uh, with this fight in court. And also the zero-based budgeting. Uh, that's a clean-out, so to speak. That's how business operates. Talk a little bit about that, Azar, because that's sending a strong message around cost cut. Yeah, it's basically saying, you know, once they've decided on the budgets, uh, you know, they, they're not going from one year to the next and saying, well, we gave you this last year, so we'll give you this next year. They're going from a zero-based budget means bottom-up. What do you need to spend on? And let's see whether that's worth it, whether it's worthwhile or not. Not worrying about what was spent last year. Now, one of the dramatic uh, changes in the direction of expenditure that I picked up is that they're cutting back sharply on social grants, actually, for the next three years. The share of social development is falling from 20 to 15% of the budget. It's been made up for by the increase in the interest bill from 11 to 16% of the budget. But it's, that's really taking it on the chin in many ways. I wanted to ask you that question, uh, Doc. Uh, you know, I, we took a look at some of the increases, 30 rand increase for old age and disability and care dependency grants, 30 rand increase uh, for the war veterans, 10 rand increase in childhood, very, very small increases. Uh, what kind of pressure do you think that's going to put on, 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 on the average South African? We've seen food prices, uh, latest reports showing increases beyond the inflation rate. Well, that's the price you pay for fiscal consolidation. At the end of the day, the government's got to answer to the people who voted them in 
on the grounds that they were providing them with uh, subsistence. And now the subsistence is not going to keep pace with the increase in the cost of living. And it's going to cause quite a lot of hardship. I feel very sorry for those people. But that, you know, uh, Zuma must explain to them uh, why they're getting less at the end of the day. And then the... Uh, yes, but you're right. Uh, yes. 1.6% 1, 1. increase in child support grants. Yeah, that's less, far less than inflation, yes. And Dr. Germain, when it comes to this 200-odd billion rand shortfall, what does that mean in, to, to, to you? Where, where does that money come from? Where will we get it from? Yeah, at the, end, at the end of the day, we just have to borrow that money. And we have to pay interest on it. And at a rate of interest of uh, long-term interest rate, say, of 8%, you would then be paying an extra 16 billion rand a year merely to pay the interest on that borrowing. And uh, at the end of the day, you as a taxpayer might have to fork out more to pay for that. That's why they can't cut your taxes. Yeah, we've got one of the highest uh, tax rates in the world. In the world. Yeah. And that's coming through with the reduction in business tax. I think they're realizing the Laffer-Curve <coughs> argument. You just can't squeeze blood out of the stone anymore. But the sad thing is that we're paying, uh, what, 268 billion rand now servicing debt. That's more than the health budget. Um, That's right. And, and, and peace and security. I mean, it's just so sad to see. And that wasn't the case. I mean, what, was our, what were we paying to service debt uh, 10 years ago? Oh, uh, it, yeah, it was around 7% of the total budget at one point. And now it's rising to 16% of the annual budget. So in other words, over that period, you're virtually squeezing out 10% of what you spend just going towards interest payments instead of spending on uh, upliftment of people. Absolutely. And most importantly, infrastructure and infrastructure. Yeah. And the infrastructure bill, he made quite a big issue of it, $791 billion over the next three years. Basically, uh, it's been coming down from 860 to 832. So don't be fooled. It sounds like a hell of a lot, but it's actually been coming down. The, the key is, of course, whether they'll get have. to spend it. Yeah, yeah. Will, will they get to spend it, fixing up the roads and that sort of thing? Dr. Jamin. Well, that's it. And the sad reality is... Go ahead, Wayne. So, so Tom, the sad reality is that we pay more than what we should on all infrastructure expenditure in this country. Um, you know, twice the amount. We can get double the road length that we get for what we pay because of government's inability to manage the middleman syndrome, to manage the inefficiencies, um, to keep a tight lid on procurement, uh, uh, expose um, inefficient procurement processes. And so you lose it, even though you're going to spend 700 billion over that period, you could have spent probably 500 billion and, and got what you wanted to get. And that's another loss. Well, ironically, uh, Wayne, part of the saving grace, if you want to put it that, is that so many of the municipalities, 90% of the municipalities, will never ever get to spend their budgets in the first instance. So that's 791. Would that we could spend 791 yes. billion over the next three years, even though the budget has come down. Would that we could spend it. In a study conducted a couple of years ago, uh, they found that 
only 9% of municipalities spent uh, their full budgets on capital capital expenditure. Dr. Jamin, what do you make of uh, the projections that we've been shown that we will have government debts uh, at around 88.9% of GDP in 25-26 and the ratio will decline thereafter? How optimistic are you that uh, we can get that right? How optimistic? <laughs> it's, uh, it's really a, quite a challenge and I think you need to ask a political analyst that more than an economist uh, there are uh, skeptics will say it's pie in the sky. Um, all I, I think the important point to bear in mind here is that uh, even 89% of GDP is not an extraordinarily high public debt to GDP ratio by international standards. If you look at the United States, Britain, France, Italy, uh, Greece, Japan, uh, they're all way above that. The critical difference is that outside investors don't believe that we will pay it back and therefore they're charging us 8 or 9% interest to invest in our bonds. Whereas uh, in the advanced economies who have all these high debt levels, uh, there is such a, such a lot of confidence that their long-term interest rates are 0 or 1%. And so they can afford to pay their interest uh, on those huge debts I don't know for how long, and by the way, that's another big discussion because from a long-term point of view, I shudder as to where we're going to end globally with this. But uh, certainly in South Africa's case, we are being penalized in terms of high interest rates more heavily than uh, virtually any other country. If you bear in mind, our inflation rate is 3.2% and we're paying long-term interest rates of between 8 and 10%. Uh, which is a real interest rate of 6 7%. There's no other em- meaningful emerging market that pays such a high rate of interest. So it costs us dearly to borrow. And that's why it was so uh, beneficial to receive an IMF loan uh, at an interest rate of 1.1% on a, a sum of that money that we borrowed. It's only about eight, eight, uh, 75 billion of that, uh, or 10% of what we're going to have to borrow, but at least that part will be funded at, funded at 1% interest rate. Mm. Sure. So um, the, the user pays <coughs> principle, he spoke about that, and that's why I guess you were saying, gee, what's he now? Is he coming up? With is he coming to eat up? Oh, he had to stay. And he always uses that phrase when in the past when he did say, look, we're going to carry on with ETOLs. Well, little did he know that that uh, and I think it's, that penny has dropped. Um, that you can introduce user pays when you can enforce and manage it. Uh, I use I use electricity. If I don't pay, well, it just gets turned off. You can't turn the roads off. It's as simple as that. Especially on a user pay scheme that is a drive now pay later, and your inefficiencies are so gross. Um, but I think what he was referring to actually is electricity. Um, because they're going to get harder on that. They're changing the rate structure, so fixed costs now come in. And if you're going to use or have the use or the access of electricity connection, you're going to pay for that through for, for the transmission grid. Um, and I think there is going to be an introduction of, of uh, toll roads 
uh, in the infrastructure builds, but in areas where they know they cannot do e-tolls, so they will come with the um, boom-down tolling, which is very difficult to apply in urban areas, uh, and that we know about. Um, the question we've got, and, and, and which Brendan's going to talk a little bit about, we've got a project to, to tackle the concessionaires. That's when you concession roads out to private companies, <coughs> we mentioned private-public partnerships a couple of times, yeah, we get that. But what you don't want is public-private partnerships where individuals and entities enrich themselves grossly. We need transparency. We want to see their numbers, the costs, so that uh, public oversight is so critical in this. And that's why this public procurement bill, uh, which, Brendan, I think you might also want to touch on, we've spoken about that, uh, is so critical. Uh, tomorrow I'm in a conference where we're talking about transparent procurement processes being introduced. So there's a there's a culmination and a gelling of of good things starting to emerge. You know, bringing down this public sector wage bill, transparency, public-private partnerships that work. We understand the user pays principle. We're not opposed to it, but but we will be watching that space very closely and say, well, we're not funding corruption, we're not funding overpriced infrastructure. So let's get uh, let's get into a room, uh, Mr. Mbawen. <laughs> uh, and uh, from an economist's point of view, I think we've really got to become more efficient. No question about it. And uh, that's why if, if there was one disappointing feature yet again, as in the uh, president's uh, um, birthday celebratory speech in January, it's what was said about restructuring state-owned enterprises, very little. Back in October, we were told, oh, and we will enter into strategic equity partnerships. That has gone silent. Yeah, and, and on that, I was quite surprised that he didn't say much about SAA and SOEs and failing SOEs. Uh, that, that they have to, something has to shift there. We cannot continue to bail out non-core State and entities, we don't have the money. Yeah, oh, absolutely. So you were silent there. So, as well, we know you're busy and uh, you gave us uh, 15 minutes of your time. Anything else you want to finish off with? Some some highlights that uh, that you might have wanted to cover? <clears throat> no, uh, um, you know, my assessment is a very straightforward one. He's mm. done what he could under the circumstances, but the, the real crunch is going to be uh, is the government going to be able to? Uh, hold the line with the trade unions in terms of public sector remuneration. Yeah. That's the crunch, really. At the end. And I think we're going to be in for a tough time. They're going to flex their muscles because they're losing. They're losing members as well. And theirs is a theirs is a game of trying to just grow their membership so that they can get their uh, their their accounts paid up. Um, but they're losing members because they. They're not the unions and they don't have the impact that they used to have. So they're going to use this opportunity to flex the muscles of government. And that's going to... They can, the they can. But the argument against that right now is that uh, the majority of workers in this country are in the private sector and many of them have lost their jobs or received big pay cuts. Yeah. What, in a, what entitles you, if you're in the public sector, to uh, actually do that much better than the, those in the private sector? Sorry. That's the message that we will be pushing as Arta. Um, we cannot have the private sector reducing its wage bills, no bonuses being paid, uh, salary cuts, job losses, and people <clears throat> in the public sector 
sit there saying, well, I don't have to deliver and I'll get my full salary and I'll probably get a bonus and I want an increase. Well, those days must come to an end and that's the, that's the work that we've got to do uh, and push back and, and help someone like Tito stand his yeah. ground. So, but thanks very much, Azar. As always, Pleasure. we enjoy engaging with you. Uh, your input's always enlightening and uh, we'll catch up again soon. Thank you. Thank you, Wayne. Thanks for the opportunity and best of luck to everyone else. Thanks. All the best. Thank you, Pay your taxes. <laughs> we will. Thank, Thank you, you, Dr. Hazar Jamin. Good to have you on the show as always. We love having you on the Outer Hour. Look Thank forward to the next uh, next visit. And a good night to you, sir. We know that Hazar is extremely busy. Every news organization in the country wants to talk to him right now. And we had him for 15 minutes tonight. Hope you enjoyed that. Let's continue with the discussion and unpack the, tw- the budget. I'm going to go to the comments section quickly and see what's been coming up over the last 10 minutes or so. Mavuso Mazandi asks how much uh, has the old age uh, grant been increased? Well, the pensioners' uh, grant has been increased by 30 rand. We've spoken about that. The increases are very, very small. So the increases from government are small, but the increases we see on the, on the shelves in the supermarkets seem to be higher. Some pressure coming more for the average South African. Now, uh, just scrolling down to find your comments. Edward uh, Rakokong says syntax will be better as someone has to make uh, a choice. My thinking, that's in response to Outer's question. Would you rather pay, uh, increase uh, a PAYE tax or would you rather have an increase in syntax? Uh, Edward says syntax is better. I think that's probably the sentiment shared by most South Africans is that at least if we decide to smoke cigarettes or drink whiskey, it's, uh, it's a choice. But when we go to work and we have to pay tax at the end of the month, there's not much choice in that. Now, Donnie Duval says, levy syntax on sugar. There's an interesting one. A sugar tax, says Donnie Duval. Rudy Heineker says, fuel levies up by 27 cents per liter. That's on top of a 5% increase on toll fees. What's your comment uh, on the motorist being hit in the pocket, Wayne? Well, the motorist is a soft target, um, and it's middle class, and it's, uh, you know, these are the people that are paying the, the taxes, uh, so when you look at the excise duty on vehicles, when you look at um, uh, that on vehicles, when you look at, and this your business, when you look at um, the, the, the fuel levies and license fees, uh, there's, a, there's a heavy toll to pay when it comes to uh, vehicle ownership. So, yes, Rudy's right. I mean, the fuel levy now, uh, just uh, over a decade ago, was bringing in uh, – 25 billion rand a year to the state. Well, it's now uh, closer to 90 billion, 85 billion. So um, I think the fuel levy is going to be, government's not going to get that increase in actual rands because traffic is down. There's a lot less driving uh, taking place due to the pandemic and the way, the new way we do business. Um, But, but yeah, the motorist is, is, is hit. And, uh, and, and that, that, that fuel levy, by the way, is a big percentage of the cost of fuel when you look at the breakdown over the years, how that has increased steadily, the add in the road accident fund, now the carbon tax and other ancillary costs. Um, and we were doing an analysis on this recently. The basic fuel price element of the petrol price is less than half. You know, everything else adds up to, to more than that. So, and that's why countries north of us get out, they get their fuel from here, pay less in petrol than we do. Government has lent heavily on the motorists when it comes to levies and fuel levies. 
Edward's analysis is the minister was a realist. No rocket science this time around. At least company tax has seen a reduction to 27% from 28.1%. That's better. Though for the masses, social grants uh, increases, not a good increment as far as increases are concerned. Are you, are you happy that uh, we haven't seen increases in personal income tax and corporate tax, Wayne? Does that bode well for us? Yeah, yeah. As we were saying, I think I think the government's realizing you, if you start pushing those taxes any further, you don't actually get more money, and you drive uh, money offshore. Quite frankly, so so the twenty years, the slight drop in in company tax is a clear indication that the reality uh, of getting money, spare money, into businesses' hands for better investment, for more employment, and that is it creates a creates more taxes uh, in the long run than it does trying to collect company taxes, who, by the way, aren't really making many taxes uh, or many profits to be taxed uh, this year. Uh, so, so that was a wise move. It's, and, and, and around the world, our company taxes are, are on the high side. So, so bringing it down is, is, is the right move and not increasing personal taxes was the right move. Andrew Gall asks, why is corruption not just put in the budget as a line item? And whilst we're talking about specifics and increases, uh, you know, the, 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 the big question is, uh, how are we doing as far as cutting expenditure, wasteful expenditure and corruption is concerned? That's, that's got to form part of how we function as an economy and a country in the future, surely. Yes, yeah, so this is the big question always is what is the cost of corruption? And it is, you know, it's a bit of a how long is a piece of string question, but it is it takes a massive amount out of the budgets uh, of, 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 of expenditure. And as we've said, infrastructure should cost half of the amount that we um, using. So you spend less now on maintenance and then you have the decay and that costs more to catch up. Um, corruption is, is still as rife as ever. We see daily. Um, the, the, the incidences that are coming in, the, uh, the amount of money that is being spent brazenly uh, on contracts that shouldn't be spent, it's an it's a, it's a illness, it's a sickness that we have, and it has to be dealt with. So what we were quite pleased with is, is government are now spending a little bit more money and adding money to SARS to start focusing on those who cheat the system, who are not paying the excise duties, uh, properly, and we see a lot of that. People are importing stuff under different categories, uh, and, and and the state loses out. So there's 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 border controls, more money spent by the state in that area. This is this is good news for South Africa. Uh, putting another 1.8 billion rand into the justice law enforcement processes to digitise is a good move. We are archaic when it comes to trying to get people to be held accountable and then find out oh, the. The file is missing. I mean, we still got files and dockets and pieces of paper being shifted around and lost, which slow the court processes down. Uh, so digitizing that space, making sure it's permanent and all the information's there um, uh, and can't get lost as easily as it does is all good stuff. So money spent in those areas, uh, that was good news for us today. And then this talk of e-toll uh, increases. How 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 do we how are we supposed to take that as uh, South Africans, Wayne? When uh, you know the fight is the fight continues to get rid of e-tolls, and then we watch the minister saying that there'll be an increase. Yes. Yeah, so so just understand this: when you push up your toll tariffs, 
you push up all your toll tariffs around the country, your boom down toll tariffs, and you can't leave e-tolls out because it is still in the toll mix. But we have to just keep reminding government, well, zero rands paid times by 3% increases is still zero rands. Maybe they don't understand that, and we have to keep reminding them of that. So the fight continues, but we do think that penny is dropping. Um, and, and, and I said it last time, I've said it a couple of times, that there's an, there's an issue around the current tender to turn the, the, the uh, transaction clearinghouse processes into, into better use, and that's good. We need to support that because we, the public, have paid for it. The gantries will be turned off. They have to be because it's failed as a scheme. Uh, but there are other ways to, to, to use the system, and, and, and we must find and help government get around that. So, yes, the ETOL fees have gone up by 3%, but they haven't really because we're not paying, and we refuse to pay, and we will not pay, and we'll defend this matter. So only the 18%, the few companies that don't want to cross swords with government, and a few government departments, not all, because the others aren't paying either. But your long-distance tolls, and let's get onto that subject. We've got Brendan here. We want to talk about these concessions. We want to talk about what we're thinking uh, is wrong here, where there's a lack of transparency, what we're doing about it, because quite frankly, we believe those fees should not be going up by 3%. In fact, toll fees should be coming down uh, if we start uh, you know, clearing clearing the, 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 the muddy waters that are that are around concessionaires. Well, let's chat about concessionaires now with Brendan Slade. And, and just to refresh our memory, Brendan, and for our viewers who are new to the show, what exactly is a toll concession or a concessionaire? What is, that, what is a, a concession? Just define that for us, please. Yeah, well, thanks, Tom. Thanks for the opportunity. This term is used when government enlists the private sector to perform one of its functions over a prolonged period of time. Um, usually uh, involving companies in the engineering industry for big capital infrastructure projects. And it usually lasts up to 30 years in some instances. Another term that Wayne also referred to earlier is the term um, public-private partnerships. And why is it important that concessionaire agreements be fully transparent? Well, Tom, it all boils down to the notion of accountability. Sunroll needs to be held accountable for whatever happens or does not happen to our national roads, as well as the money being made in the process. Sunroll is mandated to ensure that every single aspect of the national road network is financed, managed, controlled, planned correctly, developed, maintained and rehabilitated. In the case of the concessionaires, Sunroll remains liable as the concessionaires are simply an extension of Sunroll. So it does not help that Sunroll claims that all of these responsibilities have been outsourced to the concessions. So Sunroll is a statutory body and as such, the public has the right to know what Sunroll is contracting for and for which aspects of those contracts public funds are being utilised or not collected. And whether these types of con contracts are abused, and we have a suspicion that they are. Uh, these public contracts are there, um, excuse me, these contracts ought to be made public to, um, to the citizens. They are public contracts. 
And uh, we have the right to know exactly what money is being made, what money is not being made, and when the money is being made, is it going to Sanrock? Or are these private companies actually making exorbitant profits from this? As uh, Sanrel, uh, as concessionaires involve Sanrel, what is Outer doing about this? Well, Tom, we have reason to believe that the concessionaires are making more money than they can count. We have issued applications against Sanrel following the refusal by them to grant us access to records, which include financial statements, reconciliations, and profit and loss accounts and all agendas to the concession agreements themselves. These applications were served on Sanral by the sheriff this week, so kudos to our attorneys at Jennings Incorporated for doing that. And we also have reason to believe that the disclosure of these financial records will place Sanral in an uncomfortable situation. And uh, this may confirm that the concessionaires' agreements are just being kept alive for the sake of generating profit for private companies. On the other hand, it is true that the concessionaires have upgraded our national roads, but the question then is, um, are the actual costs incurred proportionate to the profits that are being made on top of it? Another question to tie in with ETOLs is, if Sunroll invests this much into the concessions with private companies that do not yield immediate benefits for the running of the contract, um, but it fills the pockets of the private companies, of course, why would Sunroll still hang on to the dead horse that is e-tolls? Mm. Um, while toll tariffs have increased, as we've seen in the media recently, it should also be noted that Sunroll received a fixed amount from tolls collected each year for Sunroll Roads. Um, over the last 10 years, tariffs have increased by a whopping 80%, which suggests that the concessionaires are coining in big time. Alta wants to know exactly how much is being made and whether these excessive collections are converted into profit for the private companies and how much of this money is, is actually going to sell. Would you like to add on to that, Wayne, uh, it, 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 the transparency that, uh, that you'd like to see and, 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 and what do you suspect is happening? Yeah, um, Tom, I think Brendan's spot on. We, this, these are our roads. They're not Sanrol's roads. They're not the concessionaire's roads. And while we agree with public-private partnerships, they've got to be transparent because we don't know how much they're making. So our question to Sanrol is, well, why... Why don't you want to make these transparent? Why can't we see? Because the law is very clear. If you're contracted to do work on behalf of the state, you are treated as if you are the state and your finances need to be public. And they, for some reason, think that that's not the case. I mean, are you... Here's some questions we've got. As a concessionaire, when you resurface the road, are you getting the best price or are you using your own companies to do so? Uh, because there's a question mark around, well, then you're profiteering in the secondary uh, space, and we're paying for that, by the way, not not the state. We are the payers, so we demand the information. And um, there's there's a lot of unanswered questions. Now, what we're starting to worry about is the track concession, for instance, is coming up for renewal very soon, very soon. It's near the end. Uh, what is Sanrol going to do? Well, the build, operate, and transfer process is... We're going to concession these roads out. The 
concession is going to build them, widen them, uh, fix them up, and then surface them to a certain standard. So when after the period of 25 years or 30 years, they get handed back to the state, and the state will now carry on. And what should happen is that toll fee should drop because all you're doing now is maintenance. And this is where we'll start to see the profits. But our worry is that the state might extend or reissue these toll concessions uh, because they aren't ready and they're not prepared and they're not skilled up to take over the running of those toll uh, roads when they should be because they are already operating others, but they've already outsourced all of those. So, you know, there's arguments, Sanral, is it, it could be lean and outsource all its work, its, its own toll collections and its maintenance. That's fine. But then you still have to be very transparent to make sure we're getting the best value, the best price. In ter- uh, in and ter- if, we, yes. if we're correct, if we're correct, toll should come down. In terms of these toll concessions, Brendan, who owns the infrastructure and, and whose responsibility is it to make sure that our roads are maintained or these roads specifically? Well, Tom, as alluded to by Wayne, Sanrol remains responsible. Similar to, similar to lend-lease arrangements that were commonplace in the mid-20th century. With toll concessions, our national roads remain the property of Sanrol, but are essentially handed over to the concessions for a 30-year period. So once these concessions lapse, the roads ought to be returned to Sanrol, and all the improvements made by the concessionaires then ought to reflect as assets on Sanrol's balance sheet. The problem is that Sanrol is lending out our national assets to private companies that can utilize them to generate an an enormous amount of profit. Um, Sanrol could have collected um, these these toll tariffs themselves and covered the costs through collections and through the practice of issuing bonds as we have seen a lot of SOEs um, have done in the past. or they could have just implemented better oversight mechanisms for these contracts in the first place so that the public can also um, be privy to what is being contracted for. Um, When the concessions were slated back in 1996 and 1997, the idea was noble, and uh, these contracts were engineered to be self-funded projects. As time passed, we have seen uh, Sunroll and the concessionaires change course, and the concessions are now nothing short of an ATM, unfortunately. Like <laughs> the way you put that. The, it's uh, true, Wayne. Considering this, this lack of transparency that both Wayne and yourself have, have mentioned, what are some of the mechanisms available to the public when it comes to holding government to account at a grassroots level? Well, Tom, just from a more general perspective is make your voice heard and demand answers from government. The public should never take what government conveys for granted and we must obviously be aware of the fact that government is there to serve us. It is not the other way around and politicians and government officials should regularly be reminded of this fact. Our law also provides for mechanisms like the Promotion of Access to Information Act as well as the promotion of Administrative Justice Act, which is at the disposal of the citizens. Another thing on grassroots levels that we should consider as active citizens is to petition and to protest 
in instances where we do not agree with what government is doing and where our rights are being infringed. Uh, another aspect is to identify what the problems are, start mobilizing and start organizing. People are social creatures, whether we like it or not. So organizing ourselves for a collective purpose is a step in the right direction. Join ratepayers associations, become part of local initiatives and never let your voice die if the problem morphs into a David and Goliath situation. Just carry on, fight the good fight. Yeah, a constant reminder that comes citizen. from outer to be an active citizen. I mean, it's not a week goes by that uh, we don't have this discussion on the outer hour. Now, uh, let's, uh, in the remaining minutes mm. we've got, go to the comments section quickly and see what you've got to say. Paul Bailey says, hi, folks, from Rochdale, UK. Uh, Kuba Swanepoel said Bakwena is also a concession, and I see that the outer team put the list of concessionaires up in the comment section. They are the N3 toll concessions, N3 between Gauteng, Heidelberg, and KZN, the Trans-Africa concessionaires, N4 between Pretoria and Maputo in Mozambique, and then the Bakwena toll concessionaires, that's the N4 Platinum Highway. Okay, uh, Kuba Swanepoel says all the money is going to Austria. I guess this is in relation to ETOLs. Wayne, is all our money still going to Austria? No, well, that's what would have happened had they got their way with us and, uh, and, and, and got, Senral got about 30% uh, of their uh, revenue from 1% of their road surface, which the citizens uh, put a stop to that. But yes, had they got... Had they got the uh, close to two billion rand, uh, three billion rand, sorry, that they uh, uh, needed, um, and two of which would, would pay off the bonds, um, you just do not need a billion rand to run the system on an, on an annual basis. And remember, that would have gone up as it has with inflation. So the profit, the company is a is a foreign company, so its profits would have accrued overseas. And this is how we're going to do corrupt deals as the ANC does so often, you want to try and find a way to get some of this money offshore uh, in a legitimate or inverted commas legitimate way. Well, this is a nice way to do it. It's an Austrian company um, and the profits go offshore and we can get our cut uh, in banks outside the country. And, and we believe that this deal was a corrupt deal and still is a corrupt deal. We are going to be exposing um, a new finding uh, recently around uh, ETC and and, 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 and and stuff that looks very clearly uh, like corruption in the days that it was set up. Um, but we've seen already they paid twice the price they should have for the roads. They uh, the, the contracted price uh, for ETC was very different to the tendered price that uh, that Sanrel was was gloating about uh, at the time uh, pre, pre the uh, launch of ETOL. So all of those things ticked boxes of, of organized corruption on ETOL. So again, we said to the minister, we will not fund corrupt deals like this. So you can, you know, we, your ETOLs are not going to work. Uh, a couple of uh, quick questions coming in in the comments section, and I'll just address them quickly before we end the show. Can you believe it? An hour's flown by so fast. Robert Maseko says, rail infrastructure has been destroyed. Everything's been stripped. What is government planning to do with that? Ordinary citizens are really suffering. I mean, I, and I remember, you know, I spent two years going to school from Springs to Johannesburg on the trains, and everything worked back then, and I was quite shocked to see the state of the train stations in and around the Johannesburg area, not limited to the Johannesburg area. I 
I know you were tweeting and uh, tagging the minister uh, yesterday, Fikile Mbulula, uh, about this uh, very issue and, and, and Prasa. Wayne, what are your thoughts on that? Well, yeah, Prasa is just another big mess. Uh, and all they're doing now is keeping the main lines up and running. They're, all the feeder lines have just become decimated uh, and they are being stripped Sadly, uh, you know, the Prasa management made bad decisions. The administrators cancelled the, um, the security contracts. Uh, and there's a lot that's going wrong. Uh, we believe Fakile Mbalu has made a big mistake. The current chairperson and the board are purging executives. Martha's input yesterday at the Zonda Commission spells it out very clearly. Uh, the, exec the, the board, the non-executive board are interfering with operational expenditure, unbudgeted operational expenditure. And, you know, uh, sadly, all this is going to do, especially the poor, it pushes them off the rail network, which is a lot cheaper for them to get to work, into taxis, unsafe, higher cost, uh, unregulated industry that's not paying taxes. It's just, it, the mind boggles because the state gets, they have advisors, they, they know what they have to do. And yet they put these blinkers on and they make blunders like this. Uh, so we have to challenge Fakile Mbalula on this matter. And, uh, and we are compiling a, a docket to, to put to him. And, and we've got to do something because the poorest of the poorest stuff about our country loses its infrastructure overnight. Earlier on, there were some comments in the comment section around uh, the finance minister's comments over the Zondo Commission. And, and just, I think, today we were reading media reports where Justice Zondo himself was saying that if this, what may be a trend of people saying, I won't come to the Zondo Commission, because we've seen more people being called to testify who are saying, no, we won't come, using the same reason as former President Jacob Zuma, uh, and, and, and Justice Zondo saying that that could seriously compromise the, the commission. What are your thoughts on that, Wayne? Well, and, and, and nice to hear him say, uh, we will go and arrest that individual who didn't pitch up again. Also, just thumbing his nose at uh, the Zonda Commission, saying, well, if Jacob Zuma can, so can I. Well, he's going to get tough. Uh, and this is a good thing because, because now Jacob Zuma can't be let off the hook. So this is a good test. I think society now is going to see the metal uh, that government has and the, the law enforcement process is taking shape, the rule of law being applied again. Uh, it's a good uh, it's a good showdown that uh, Jacob Zuma has put there uh, for, for us. It's testing the system. And I don't think that the Zonda Commission and the, and the judicial system and the law enforcement system has any choice but to go and arrest people who ignore the uh, Zonda Commission. So watch this space. Uh, it's going to be very, very interesting. And we're just about out of time, but enough time for Brendan Slade to give us his final comments. Uh, Brendan, uh, your message to Outer Hour viewers who may be concerned about lack of transparency when it comes to concessionaires and getting involved. I saw uh, one of our comments a little earlier on, I think it was uh, Kara, who said the state of the nation is a direct reflection of the citizens' participation therein. The vote is only the start of the contract. South Africa only has around 1% active citizenry rate or volunteer rates. This is reflected in the state of the nation. Would that tie into any comments you want to make at the end of the outer hour tonight? Well, if I can just add on to what Wayne had to say about the Zondo Commission, just have hope. I'm going to reiterate, be an active citizen and have faith in the rule of law because the constitution will prevail at the end of the day. Uh, that and is my final 
Brendan, thank you. Thank you for joining us this evening. Brendan Slade is a legal project manager at Outer and has been chatting to us about the concessionaires. Uh, Wayne, your final comments for the Outer supporters and our Outer Hour viewers as we close the show this evening? Yeah, I think I think the budget speech was um, was was good in many respects. We saw some 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 good messages coming out. Obviously, the hole is deep. Obviously, we are leaving a mess for our children of the debt that we have to uh, settle. But but um, you, as I always say, you cannot uh, give up hope. So we've got to work harder. That's all. And we can we can get out of this country. We've been in bigger messes than this, but. Uh, it is up to civil society. And, and as uh, Brendan was saying, uh, we need to be more active as citizens. And, and we know that our heads are down just trying to stay alive. Um, but there are organizations, there are people, there are entities out there, there are ratepayer associations, community associations, organizations like Outer that do the active citizenry on your behalf, but they cannot do it without your support. So, you know, for the price of a couple of uh, cups of coffee a month uh, in a debit order, uh, if you aren't contributing to ARTA, you've got to ask yourself, well, why not? Is this not a worthy uh, entity to support? And just know we're a non-profit organization. Uh, the funds go to paying the salaries of professionals, of legal specialists and uh, investigators, uh, project managers, the communication specialists. This is a machine, a well-oiled machine that, that, that produces results. And it can't do so on volunteers, I can assure you. We've got to pay market-related salaries to have the continuity of our teams and the expertise there. So, um, yeah, I always say it, eh? never, never think uh, your contribution is too little and therefore you do nothing. It's never too little. Crowdfunding is powerful. And that's what we are fired up on. And we love our supporters for, for their contribution. So thank you. And if you know friends and family, because we shouldn't be a team of 44. We should be a team of 144. And if you know friends and family who are really frustrated and you know angry about the situation and aren't donating to Arta, convince them to do so. I just read another post today about how many people are returning to South Africa. The grass is not always greener on the other side. Uh, people are coming back. We've got to fix this country. And I'm, I'm excited about the possibilities because that's what keeps me uh, motivated and our supporters and our amazing team at Arta. Thanks, Tom, and to your work. Uh, and on that note, uh, you're just talking about people returning to South Africa. I read uh, Stevie Wonder uh, said he's had enough of the U.S. of A. and he's uh, going to live in Ghana. So I think you may have picked up on a trend there, Wayne. Uh, we, we may not be as unattractive as we think we are back here at home to the rest of the world. Uh, Wayne Duvenage is the CEO of Outer, and here's a reminder from me to you. If you haven't been to Outer's website, pop along to outer.coza. It's as simple as that. Just pop it in your browser, in your phone, or your tablet, or your computer, outer.coza, and take a look at the great work that the Outer team do. All the projects are there. Outer's a transparent organization. Telephone numbers, email addresses, it's all on the website. If you haven't visited outer.coza, do, do so now. Take a look at uh, Outer's website, and there'll be a Join Now button that you'll find along the way. If you haven't joined Outer, consider pressing that Join Now button and join Outer now and become part of the active citizens that make up the support base of the organization undoing tax abuse. Thank you to Brendan Slade, Dr. Azar Jamin, and the CEO of Outer. 
Wayne Divinage for their time this evening. But most importantly, thank you to you for your time, for pressing play, for spending an hour with us, for being an active citizen, for being part of the 1% of South Africans that get up and do something. Even if it's just pressing play and educating yourself on this video, uh, we do thank you very, very much for joining us. And let's make it a date for next Wednesday at 7 p.m. That's when you can catch the show live. If you've watched the show live, thank you for being a live viewer. Uh, and we do hope that if you haven't watched it live and you pressed play afterwards, thank you for that too. But you always welcome to come and join us on a Wednesday night at 7 p.m. on Outer's Facebook page where your questions and comments can be put to the Outer team and the various experts that we bring on to the show from time to time. So traditionally at the end of the show, I just wish you well. And it's the same message. It's going to be the same message every time there's an Outer Hour. I hope you have a good week. I hope that it's full of love and joy. And most importantly, I hope it's full of money so that you can buy the food that, where the prices are increasing every week and that uh, you stay healthy during this pandemic. Let's hold thumbs that the lowering of infection rates that we've seen will continue. What a story it has been to live in this world of ours over the last year or so. So thank you. Join us again next Wednesday at 7 p.m. And until then, I wish you a wonderful seven days and I miss you already our fight to eradicate corruption maladministration unethical leaders and the abuse of taxpayers money by those in power continues it's fresh it's fearless and focused the outer hour where your voice matters <laughs>